Good evening, everyone. Can everyone hear me there at the back? You fine, 100%. Um, such a privilege to be with you. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm going to share first a little bit, and then we, we're going to go on this journey and worship a little bit together. Um, but I just quickly want to say two things. Um, firstly, I have many stories of Mornay, and because I respect them, I will not tell it. <laughs> just want to say that. <laughs> and secondly, I have a lot of videos of Leonard. <laughs> I'm just, I, I just want to put it out there. <laughs> Anyways, um, no, it's really, it's, uh, it's awesome to be here. Uh, I'm from Wellington AM. From the Boerland, um, so the students they come from Wellington. The Bible school is there, um, and again, it's it's just been a blessing to see what the Lord is doing in Wellington and, and what He's busy with. Um, my wife, uh, we have two babies: um, Emma Joy and Nathan Ryder. Very American, I know. Um, <laughs> we decided on names. My name is Skulk Hendrik. So. <laughs> names that we think they can pronounce in, in every country, you know. When I when I go overseas, I've actually been to Russia, and if they ask you what's your name, and like my name is Skolk, they're like, huh? <laughs> um, and they always turn my name into Scott. Okay. So my name when I, I go overseas is Scott West. Scott van and Scott West. Okay. Um, and then if you're at Starbucks and you, you say your name is Skolk in Russia, they, I, I think they just, they write something there, something ugly. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so uh, I want to I say two things, and I, I want to just quickly tag on what, what, what Leonard said now. Um, Thursday evening we had some time with the leaders, and there was a word that came out, which I actually think it's good for all of you to hear. Because I think in the, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the things that's going on, in the midst of everything that's happening, um, one of the words that came out on Thursday for, for you as a, as a body, for, uh, which means if you're part of this church, this is for you, was this um, scripture in, uh, I'm going to quickly take you there, in uh, Matthew 3 verse 11. And, and this is the story of John the Baptist. He was a, a very weird guy. Um, I think if you walked into this church today, um, we must probably would, yeah, not welcome him so much because he was very weird. Um, but he, he had this thing that he said. He was baptizing people. Crowds, crowds gathered to be baptized to repent of their sin, you know. And he, and he was actually preparing the way for the coming of Jesus. And I'm sure, and this is what we said Thursday evening, there could have been a temptation in his heart when he saw those crowds. But then he said the following, Matthew 3 verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. It's so beautiful to see how John in the midst was probably, I mean, just in that time, as I mentioned, there could have been that temptation to make it about himself. They're coming, I'm baptizing them. And he, in the midst of that, says, you know, it's not about me. Mm. It's about the one, I love the statement, I, I'm, I'm not worthy to carry. Um, the, uh, uh, with sandals, I'm not worthy to carry. What a statement. He acknowledged the worth of Christ. 
and a culture, and it's today the same, that is self-consumed, self-centered. And what we felt for you guys, and what I feel for you guys, is that you are called to acknowledge the worth of Christ in a culture that actually doesn't want to see Him. Do you know that? Whether you're a student, whether you're in school, whether you're a young adult, whether you're a parent, like myself and Lennon, uh, <laughs> wherever you are, you are called to acknowledge the worth of Christ. Do you know that? The answer to campus, He is worthy of all praise. Yeah. That's why there's salvation, because we want to see people worshipping Him. Why? Because he deserves it. Okay. So I'm going to share into that. But I want to tell you a quick story. Um, my daughter, Emma Joy, she's two years old. Um, and my wife is English. I'm actually Afrikaans. Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I know some of you are very surprised, specifically when you heard Skal Kendrick. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm Afrikaans. My wife is English. She's from Tableview. Um, and we actually try and raise our children. I speak Afrikaans to them. Ingrid speaks English to them. So obviously the result of that is they take a little bit longer to, to catch on phrases, okay? So my wife and I, we would joke one week, Emma would say uh, something in Afrikaans, then I would say, you see, she's Afrikaans. <laughs> and then the next week she would suddenly say things in English and then she's like, you see, she's English, you know? And so there's this, this teasing going back and forth. But the one thing that Emma is doing, and any parent will tell you, it's the best thing to see and also the most dangerous thing to see is they imitate well. Okay? Now, my wife and I, we lead worship and we do it quite a lot. And then we obviously take Emma with and then when we do band practice, she sees it and she's in church and among everyone. So she's, we started getting her in the house when we put on some worship music, other, whether it's a worship set on a laptop or just other speaker, we, we will see her worshiping. We will walk into a room and then Emma stand. <laughs> and then I'm like, yo, it's weird. <laughs> and then she started, she started doing this thing. And I think she saw it at church. She started doing this thing. She puts her hands in front of her. And then she opens her eyes a little bit like this. And she does that. <laughs> um, and then she started doing this new thing. So every week it develops. There's someone in a church when we worship, he always kneels. So after she does this move, then it goes to this. And then she falls on her knees. It almost looks like she's going to cry out in desperation. She falls on her knees and lifts her hands. And then she repeats her three things. Now it's very cute, obviously. And then praise God. But I know for a fact the hardest was probably not in it. <laughs> You see, often when it comes to worship, we do things because, specifically in our culture, Josh Jane, because we, we have a worship culture. Mm. We're people that love the presence of God and we worship. And we, you know, you see people lifting their hands, jumping up and down and singing the songs and going for it. But often we can lose the why very easily. Yeah. Yeah. Why do we lift our hands? Why do we bow down? Why do we jump up and down? Why do we sometimes shout and worship? Why do we actually do these things? And even think of worship bigger than just music. Why do we handle our finances in a godly way? Why do we treat one another with respect? 
Why do we uh, walk in accountability? Why do we do all these things? Now, I'm not going to give you the complete answer this morning, but I, I do want to answer it a little bit. Is all, all of you still with me? Sorry, I, I know there's been a lot of speaking now, but I, I just I want to give you a couple of handouts. And some of the worship guys sitting here, you must probably have heard me speaking about this a little bit, okay? And it's fine. Repetition is good. Okay. <laughs> it's good. Nailing it. It's good. Amen. Okay. So um, I, I, do, I, do, I do want to mention that. Just a, 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 quick, uh, a quick disclaimer on that. Um, but I, I, I want to I wanna say this. That as you are sitting here in this room, you are worshipping. Unintentionally or intentionally. Why? Because we were uniquely designed to worship. God placed it in us. You are a worshiper. The question is, are we worshiping Him or not? Hmm. But after the, if I had to take your heart and I had to take your thoughts and I had to put it here on the screen, some of you are like, eh. <laughs> please don't more, I see more nice like Winnie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but if I had to do that, and I had to look at what, what are you thinking about most of the times? What are you consumed with most of the times? What's going on in your, your thought life? What's going on in your heart? That was, most probably will tell me what you are worshipping. What you are worshipping. Why? Because you were, again, you were created to worship. You were created to worship. Um, uh, this morning I was with Stellenbosch Aim and I, I, I said this and I want to say it again and some of you heard me saying this. But the fact that you are created, that you were spoken into being. Genesis 2 verse 7 speaks about as you are sitting here, you're a combination of dust and God's breath. Okay? You brought nothing to the party. That is it. The combo of dust and God's breath. He spoke you into being. The fact that you are created tells you that you will always be dependent on something. Sure. And the natural order of things at the beginning was God created man, us. You were created for Him. You were created for Him. You will worship because it's just in you. You will doesn't make sense what I'm saying. Mm, very good. So I want to I take you to two pictures of, of worshipping. I, I am a little bit glad actually the electricity is off. Because it will taste this very thing in us. Mm -hmm. You see it's easy to worship often when there's a full band. <clears throat> you have the drums. You have the keyboard. You have a guy. You know, I, I don't know if you guys have Mervis here before. <laughs> Not yet. Um, uh, uh, next sure. week I heard Michael is coming. I think so. Uh, yeah, sure. I don't know. Someone organized Michael, but he said he's coming. Michael sounds like an angel on steroids. There's uh, such a beautiful... If he sings, you know, it's like the angels cry and all of that happens. But the reality is that most of us only... We are exposed to sitting like that maybe on a Sunday morning, maybe a Wednesday evening. What if all those things are stripped away that we usually use, almost as crutches when we, when we come to Him? When there's no drums and no electric guitar and no keyboard and no acoustic guitar and no one with a beautiful voice, what will remain? What will remain? Sure. You hear what I'm asking? Mm. 
So I wanna, I, I'm glad the electricity is off. I heard a sound while I was saying it. I'm like, what is the electricity going on suddenly? Um, that would be very anti-climax. Um, but I wanna, I wanna say, I wanna, I wanna take you to two pictures of worshiping. And out of that, my hope is that when we go into a place of worship, that you will have at least one or two handles while we're actually doing this. And the first picture I want to take you to is Revelation 4. Now in Revelation 4, we have this, this picture of worship in heaven. Now if we suddenly all had to go to heaven at the same time, and there was Jesus seated on His throne in all His glory, I'm telling you, you will not struggle to worship. Amen. Mm-hmm. You will you will fall down on your face, and you will worship Him. It will just happen. We don't even have to sing a song. It will just happen. Jesus is the best worship leader. Okay. <laughs> if you see Him, you will you in His presence. <laughs> and that is we see the scene in Revelation four, and it's a Revelation is a weird book, I think, for most of us. So we we read everything and we skip that. But this Revelation four is just such a beautiful picture, and it speaks about these angelic creatures. And the Bible says these angelic creatures they have eyes all over their wings. Now, I told my wife, if a creature like that shows up in my room, I am running. (laughs) I am running far away, okay? Far away. A thing with many eyes. (laughs) It reminds me of a spider, you know? I'm not a fan of a spider. (laughs) Um, um, I'm one of those people, if I see a spider, I burn the house, okay? Uh, And run. But um, these, these creatures, they have eyes in the, in the front and the back of their wings. It's, it's, they are weird looking. And then we have this picture of, they speak about the, the 24 elders that, that surrounds his throne. And uh, we can all speak about, you know, what does it mean, these creatures and elders. We're not going to speak about that. But what I do want to say is we get a glimpse of how these creatures and elders respond when they look at Jesus. Mm. They could have said anything in that moment. They could have said, Your Jesus, you are great. Or your Jesus, you are majestic. Jesus, you are high and lifted up. But the creature said, What did they say? They said, Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. That's what they said. The elders. The Bible said those elders, when they look at Him, they fall down before Him and they take their crowns. They have crowns on their heads, the Bible said. And these crowns represent accomplishments, their rewards, you know, what gives them significance. And the Bible says as they fall before Him, they cast these crowns before them. They throw these crowns before Him. And then the elders, these elders, they say something as they look at Jesus. What do they say? They say, worthy, worthy, worthy. Now, holy quickly, what, what does it actually mean? What does holy mean? Again, you can speak for probably 20 weeks on that um, or do a whole year just about the, the holiness of God. But I'm just a quick definition is there is no one like him. It's truly, he's on his own, he's set apart, he is, no one can compare to God. Okay, that's a quick, very shallow definition. Okay. But then you get these, this word, worthy, worthy, worthy. What does that mean? 
worthy means, I, I use this, I love using this example, but think of the justice scale in South Africa, okay? When, you, when it comes to the court system, usually they use this picture of a scale. You all know what I'm speaking about? And basically what that represents is there's been a crime, it's going to court, we need to try and find a punishment for it so we can level it out. The punishment must fit the crime. Now, I want, if you think about the worthiness of God, think about a scale. You know, God is here. We need to try and find something so we can level it out. Is there anything? No. He's worthy. I love the, a scripture, I think it's in um, Matthew 24, where it speaks about a treasure in the field. Just love the scripture. Love it, love it, love it. It speaks about a merchant that heard about a treasure in the field. And what he went and do is when he discovered this treasure in the field, the Bible says he went to sell everything so he can purchase the field and get the treasure. Who's the treasure? God. Who's the treasure? <laughs> Jesus. Okay. You with me? Hello. Hello. Okay. Jesus is the treasure. He's the treasure. He's worth it. He's worthy. He's worthy. So that's the one picture. We have a picture that in heaven, there was a seeing of God and they responded. And there is something of worship for us there. That when we worship, worship is seen as a response to something. What you look at, you will worship. Now, what I mean with that is not necessary. You need to walk around like this. and just. Uh, I'm saying, but you spend most of your time at looking at, this was probably that which you worship. Okay. What we look at, we will worship. There's this invitation for us to know Him. And it's as we get to know the Son of God, as we get to know Jesus, as we mine through the Scriptures, as we meditate on who Jesus is, as we, uh, you know, as, as Leonard preaches, <laughs> as we discover who this Jesus is, you know, and there's many ways. Oh, mate, just stir faith in your heart yeah. and adoration in your heart and a love for God in your heart. Mm. Worship is a response. Um, Oswald Chambers says this. It's, it's so beautiful. He says, worship is giving the best to God for what He originally gave to us. Worship is always a response. It's not your idea. God created it. And some of your worship guys have heard this example, but I think about Emma Joy. Um, I know it's going to happen one day. Um, it happened to me when I was in primary school, my, um, my mom's birthday would come up and obviously I would go to her and say, Mommy, I want to buy you a present for your birthday, but I need kaching. <laughs> so my mom would give me 50 rand eh? and I would go and we always went and uh, bought her Willy slippers, always. And it just, I think she had like a a stash of woolly slippers, you know, because we felt it. <laughs> the slippers we bought and she used <laughs> for other reasons. Okay. But anyway. Um, but, but we bought slippers and then you, you take it and you even put it, you know, in the shoe box and you wrap it and you tuck it and say, Mommy, guess what? I bought you a present. And she's like, what? I didn't expect that. And she brings it and obviously surprised. Wow, thank you. And I think often our worship is like that. God loved us first. Yeah. Mm. So we can love Him now. Yeah. Mm. You cannot love God out of your own. 
Yeah. You cannot worship God out of your own. You need to understand this, that you are created. He gave his breath. And everything we do now is a response to him. Yeah. Mm. Does it make sense? Mm. So, that we see that in the first story. Um, I want to I wanna tell the story. I actually felt to tell the story. I, I know Leonard, was it a week ago? You, uh, but I think it was the 6 p.m. service. You shared a, a story about a Rembrandt painting. Mm. Um, what, did, what Rembrandt painting was it? No, I don't oh, know. you don't know. Um, in Russia, there's a museum called the Hermitage in St. Petersburg. And um, to give you an idea, if you look one minute and every painting in the Hermitage, you are going to look, you're going to be in the Hermitage for 13 years. Yeah. There, that's how much art is in that museum. If you look one minute in every painting, you're going to be there for 13 years. <laughs> I, I wonder if someone ever tried it. I'm sure there's a Guinness record somewhere. Um, but we went to this museum. It's massive. It's actually overwhelming. You know, there's Da Vinci, there's Rembrandt, there is like all these paintings. We're on an outreach there and I'm, I'm actually just walking and, and I, I'm not, uh, my, my wife is an artist, but I'm not necessarily a very big fan of that type of art, you know, like a Rembrandt or a Da Vinci. It's, I, I do appreciate it, but it's not, it doesn't tick my box. Um, and I walk and I walk and I walk into this room and against this big wall, Okay, is a picture of Rembrandt's prodigal son. And for some reason, I was minding my own business. I was actually very bored. I walked in and I saw this painting. As I saw this painting, in that moment, I felt like God just burst into my heart with his love. And my response in that moment is literally, I started weeping in a museum in Russia. I feel like that's the worst place to actually do that. Uh, I always feel like in Russia someone is watching me. You know? uh, but anyway, I stood there and I, 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 I started weeping as I see this painting. And I, I like literally felt like in my heart, the response in that moment was that of adoration. But next to me, while I'm standing there weeping, these, these tourists, that, that come and they literally try and take a picture of every painting in the museum. So I'm standing there, like, you know, and here's the tourist, like, I just see the lights flashing and they go to the next picture. And so it went, I stood there, I think, for at least 10 minutes. And, and that happens the whole time. And it got me thinking, I think often worship is like this there's an invitation in the Lord's heart. Some of us would see it, we will go for it, and others of us will and move on. And I want to I wanna tell, I want to ask you, and I want to tell you, when we look at who God is, don't just be a spectator that, that looks and moves off, okay? Like, open up your heart and allow the love of God. And um, as I mentioned now, like, even uh, just remind yourself that who you are, you are created so that that response of adoration can actually flow from you, okay? First story. The second story I want to speak about is uh, in a book that most of you also most probably won't read. Uh, I've, I've never heard someone saying my favorite book is the book of Job. Um, no. No. <laughs> but the book of Job is, is, um, is quite an interesting book. And, 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 and most of you know this, the story of Job where he lost everything. He lost his wife. He lost his kids. And I have to say, if that happened to me and Leonard, if that had to happen to you, and, and you know, like I, I would struggle to worship, amen? Yeah. Like I would struggle, I would be in a myth place, you know? I would be like, God, what did you do? 
Like, I, I'm just being honest. I would struggle. But if you read on in the end of the book of, of, of Job, um, chapter number two, we see Job's response. It says, he did something interesting. It says he tore his robe. He shaved his hair. Praise God, we don't do that anymore. And it said, he fell to the ground and he worshipped. Hmm. It just blows my mind that someone that just lost almost everything would respond in a way like that. Mm. Fell on the ground and worshipped. You see, you have a unique opportunity. Today, you have a unique opportunity. Because one day when you're in heaven, you will see God and you will worship. But here on earth, you and I have the opportunity to press into Him or not. Mm. Yeah. Sure. And that gives us a unique responsibility. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Mm. Either you give Him the glory that He deserves, or you take a little bit of the glory that He deserves. Where do you see yourself? Yeah. Where do you see yourself? You see, this is a unique invitation, and my hope is that you would say yes with a burning heart tonight, and there will be something in you that will go and say, this very thing, I am created for this very purpose, and that is to know Him and to worship Him. Yeah. To know Him and to worship Him. Yeah. So why did Job worship? Why do the angels and the elders worship? Here's my handle I want to give to you. We worship why? Because He is worthy. We worship why? Because He is worthy. I love how Spurgeon said, said it. Spurgeon said, you know, the word waste is irrelevant when it comes to God. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Mm. If you're with God, you cannot waste your time. You cannot waste your breath. You cannot waste your love. You cannot waste your song. You cannot waste anything. Why? Because it belongs to Him. Yeah. Never in, in church or in your life, uh, hopefully one day you will not get to a place where you're like, okay guys, we need to stop worshiping now. Because He had enough. <laughs> and stop. He's now satisfied. Let's go on with our lives. No. It, it, they will be never Never, never. Mm. Um, I want to. I want to end off before we're going to worship, because we um, we don't have a lot of time left. There's a story um, about uh, one of my favorite Bible stories, um, and it is uh, Mary of Bethany. Now, Mary of Bethany, um, she. Let me quickly read you the verse. All still with me? Yeah. yeah. If you have a question, please ask. It's a very weird thing to say when you preach. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, um, there's a story in John 12 specifically that speaks about Mary of Bethany. She did this interesting thing. Jesus was sitting in a room. He was reclining in a room. And Mary came into this room with very expensive perfume. A bottle of very expensive perfume. She took this perfume, the Bible says, and she wasted it. She broke it over Jesus' feet. And it goes as far as saying she took her hair and washed Jesus' feet. I don't know when last you washed someone's feet with your hair, you know? Um, I, I, said on Thursday, I said on Thursday, just like a byproduct, when someone usually comes and wants to wash my feet, I giggle. <laughs> It is just one of those things. Don't wash my feet. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but but uh, Mary comes in and she does this act. Now that, uh, the, literally when the Bible says that it was very expensive perfume, it was very expensive perfume. Now that perfume, spike nerve, 
I think I said uh, correct in English. Um, but that perfume literally came from India. It was pressed from a from a, 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 a type of grass. Literally, the grass was almost milk to get this type of fragrance out of it. Um, and the Bible, uh, just in any, like even in today's time, actually used the word that said that it was real perfume. Because they were knockoffs. Like some of you, you're wearing knockoff perfumes. <laughs> <laughs> You know those, that perfume? It smells, it smells like something with a little bit of cat pee. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I have a friend that smells, uh, smells perfume, that sells perfume. And it's definitely, it's definitely knockoff, okay? It's not the real thing. But, uh, but the Bible actually says that Mary had real, authentic perfume. Now, it was very expensive. It was so expensive that it wasn't common in, a, in a, any middle-class family's house. In the country, that perfume belonged to kings and nobles. So to read that Mary of Bethany had this perfume, the real perfume, and brought it to Jesus and wasted it on his feet, I was very curious, where did she get it? And I did a little bit of research, and there's different opinions about it, but it seems like most people are saying, the only way that Mary could get that perfume is that she had to sell things in our household to be able to afford it. Isn't that beautiful? Mm. Isn't that beautiful? Mm. She sold things to get this perfume, and then in one act of devotion, took that perfume that is equal to a year of wages, so a year of salary, okay? That is the worth of that perfume. She took, she broke it over his feet. Why on earth would someone do that? Because she acknowledged and understood that this man here in front of me is worthy of my devotion. And you know, it's interesting, that room was filled with other people and they didn't respond the same way. They didn't respond the same way. And contrary, the Bible goes on and speaks about our brother Judas. And he was in that room. He went and said, how, how can you waste that? We could have sold it and give it to the poor. That's what Judas said. We could have sold that and used the money for the poor. It sounds so well and wonderful. But the Bible also said Judas stole. He was a thief. He stole some of the money from the, I don't know, kitty bag or whatever. The, I'm not sure how the disciples had a moon bag. You know, took some coin. I'm not sure how it worked in that time. But, um, but Judas did that. And you see, there's the difference between Mary and Judas. Mary loved God for God. Judas loved God or gave himself and followed Jesus for his own benefit. So when we come together and we worship, why do you worship? Do you worship because what you can get from him? Because I'm telling you, if that is the reason, there will come seasons where it's not going to go your way and you're going to walk away from it. But if you're going to worship him because he is worthy, like Job, when everything is taken away from him, you will be found on the floor worshiping. Sure. Mm. You see where I'm going with that? Yeah. Why do we worship? Because he's worthy. Now Judas kissed Jesus when he betrayed him. You all know that. He wanted in- intimacy without commitment. <laughs> mm. When it fits in. <laughs> I want to tell you, you know that God wants all of your heart. All of your heart, not just on the Sunday morning, but every moment, every time. Because he's worth it. He's really worth it. So, 
How do we respond to God if we worship God? Well, there is a posture in our hearts that I believe the Bible is highlighting through all these stories. And I'm going to end off with this. We see the elders falling, throwing their crowns before him, going down. Okay? We see Job, what? Falling on the ground and going down. We see Mary doing what? Going low and wasting the perfume on Jesus' feet. You and I are called to go low. Because if we truly see Jesus for who He is, humility will be the response in our hearts. Yeah, very good. We have an uncle in Winnington called Andrew Murray. He's not alive anymore. (laughs) He's a very old guy. So that's why he's not alive anymore. (laughs) And he wrote and said the following thing. He actually was an excellent preacher and he had a battle with pride. He was so good that every time he preached, he was just like, you know, wow, you know, this, is, this is me. You know, God, you're using my strength. I'm so good with words. He was an excellent writer. So, you know, I'm good. And then one morning he woke up and his voice was gone. <clears throat> and I think for two years he couldn't preach. Because medically, they said, you will never get back your voice. He got, went all the way back to his homeland, in, uh, I think, in, in the Netherlands, and he prayed there and whatever, and trusted the Lord, and all those things. And one day his voice did return, and he wrote this small little book, it's 80 pages called Humility. <laughs> he had this massive struggle with pride, like all of us in this room. And pride is basically this self worship that I am more important than God. And Andrew Murray said the following, and I want to say this, and I want to end off with this. He said, humility is the displacement of self by the enthronement of God. The displacement of self by the enthronement of God. We worship, why? Because he's worthy. How do we respond? You go low. You go low. You submit under him. You yield to him. Why? Because he's worthy of the life laid down completely. If there's one thing and I take it away from you and you will be angry at God if I take that one thing away from you, it's probably higher than what it's supposed to be. 